Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. This is another money show. Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. JR and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and JR Rochford. Here we are, your hosts, Anthony Crail and J.R. Rochford, taking a break from our day-to-day -day as financial advisors with Rochford and Associates, a fully independent fourth-generation family practice right here in the greater Phoenix area. Uh, we're taking a break from our day jobs to bring you information you may not find on those other financial talk shows. So we are aware the last thing you need is another money show, but we appreciate you being here. I don't know if JR appreciates it as much as I do, but I appreciate it. So, uh, sorry, I know this is a radio show, but we videotape all of this, and you can see some of our clips on YouTube, but I can see JR playing on his phone and not paying attention. So to start us off, I want to talk about our favorite subject, and that is the banks. But I don't, I've got, you know, a couple of news stories. Of course, there's always something in the news. There's always some nefarious kind of whatever, but I was thinking about this today, and I wanted to ask JR kind of his thoughts, but why do we cover the banks so much? I mean, why do you think it is that we think it's important that people know all of these things that the banks are doing behind the scenes? I mean, what's the, the importance? What's the significance? I mean, in your, in your words, what, why would you say that it's important? Well, our job is to manage money into the future without a crystal ball. So we all know that. Any Anybody that's a financial advisor, looking back is easy. Looking forward is more difficult. I have felt like since 2014, so mind you, this is nine years of telling people something is wrong. I have felt like this country is heading toward a bail-in, just like we saw in Cyprus, like we saw in Greece. You know, some of the countries do a different version of a bail-in. I'm looking at you, Argentina, Brazil, Venezuela, city of Detroit. <laughs> what country is the city of Detroit in? Because they had a little rough patch a while back too. We don't seem to remember that. So Yeah, I mean, with all these uh, con or states trying to secede, why doesn't Detroit just get out of here? <laughs> well, build a wall around Detroit. Country. We want Send California to secede. So, give it to Canada. <laughs> bottom line, Canada <laughs> won't take Detroit. So the bottom line is I feel like we are headed toward a bail-in. I feel like it more and more. You know, I mean, I feel like nine years of saying it's coming. Now it's actually here. I wouldn't be surprised if this Friday, by the way, today is the 25th of October as we record. But this Friday, <laughs> you know, after five o'clock Arizona time, I wouldn't be surprised if we got the announcement that you cannot go into your bank on Saturday if you have open branches, or Monday, there's going to be a bank holiday, and then they're basically going to tell us that don't panic, but we are, you know, we're going to ration your money. You know, this, this our whole job is to be and make sure people are proactive, not reactive. How can we get people to be proactive 
if we don't tell them the stuff we tell them. We want them to be awake. If people act on our advice and our suggestions, that's fine. If they don't, that's fine too. I realize we are not a good fit for everybody. I get that. You know, I had a client in the office yesterday. I had a, a young woman that I've known for 30 years. And she said that somebody that that we both know only gave me some of their money when they inherited money and not all of it because I am too conservative and too doomsday. And I thought about that. I'm like, I'm, you know, too conservative in, in what way? Spiritually, morally, you know, financially, certainly not physically. <laughs> so I thought about that and I was like, well, that is very true. And you know what the good thing is about that? It didn't bother me at all because there's a lot of people out there that are much better fit. If you want to do debt management, if you want to do hard assets, if you want to be educated on insurance companies and different features of them, I'm a great fit. If you want to buy biotechnology stocks, if you want to do you know, heavy in investing, not so much investing, but trading, I'm not a good fit. So this woman that put some money with me and some with another advisor got the best of both worlds because she has money that's in the market. I am so, positive. Getting off track a bit. And I know that you're really yeah, good the at stuff, the banks. Why is it important for the banks that think about it? Our job, right, as financial advisors, or the way we view our job is very different than what you hear on those other financial shows because it's, let me sell you stocks. Let me tell you why it's a good time to buy stocks. It's always a good time to buy. It's never a good time to sell, apparently. But how many of those are bringing up the banks? Why is the bank such an important part of in somebody's financial picture? When people are coming to us, shouldn't we just be telling them, you know, stocks and bonds and annuities and stuff like like the bank has absolutely nothing to do with us that's your safety but why is it so important that we're the ones shouting about the banks when nobody else is well in the banks the whole reason for the banks obviously we have insurance payments and rent or mortgages we we need that money from our paycheck to go somewhere so we can pay our bills outside of that if you have more than a let's say a three-month emergency fund cushion you're using it for liquidity and safety you don't want risk and you don't want to tie it up. So what am I supposed to tell somebody when the three places I don't want my money are stocks, bonds, and banks? You know, stocks and bonds, you know, obviously stocks are on the more risk side, bonds are on the safer side, but that changed. That's changed. Bonds are risky. So my bank is my safe liquid money. The problem, the banks don't have any money. We're in a fractional reserve situation where during COVID in 2020, we said you can loan out all the money. It's a hundred percent where they can loan the money out. They can use it for mortgage-backed securities, whatever they want. People don't understand that. We send people all the time to to the, uh, the website, fdic.gov. Tell people, look up DIF, the Depositor Insurance Fund. It has in the neighborhood of 1% coverage. If you have up to $250,000 and you feel safe, you need to look at their own writing. You need to get from Anthony the video they put out last November that said people don't have a need to know. They'd panic. They're, they're not smart enough to know. They, we don't want to panic them. They're dumb animals. So that's not exactly what they said. Well, that's pretty much how it felt. They're saying they're going to do a bail-in. By the way, if you remember the word TARP, the Troubled Asset Release Program, if you remember quantitative easing, the fiscal cliff, we learned all these terms. We learned a big term called bailout. 
And that's when the government picked and chose which banks were systematically important, which companies were too big to fail. And they printed and gave our money through our tax dollars to these companies. We think they can't get away with it again. So now they're going to do a bail-in. And I really hope if you've listened to us for any length of time, you have looked into the word bail-in to see what it means and if it's a reasonable expectation that we're going to see one. I'm saying it is. I actually won't be surprised if it's this Friday. I think we could have a Black Monday next Monday, October 30th. I was talking to an old neighbor named John. Talk to John too much. He disturbs me. And John and I were talking about the possibility of right before Halloween having a Black Monday. Yeah. So your money in the banks. If you had no other alternatives, there's nothing you can do. But you do. We have insurance companies with really short-term solutions. We have good hiding spaces in your home. If you don't have a 45-minute, 1,200-degree fire-rated safe, we can help you with other solutions in your home. We understand fire, flood, burglary, so we'll work around that. I really don't like to answer a question, do I? You ask us- Yeah, I was like, I'm already regretting asking that because I wanted to talk about theoretically, you know, why the banks? Because again, I don't see anybody else talking about the bank, but that's supposed to be your safe bucket. And before you didn't necessarily need a bank. You need a bank for loans. You need a bank for, you know, there are reasons for a bank, but we're being pushed, especially with the digital currency, you're being pushed to have a bank. You have to have a bank account. That's all the money has to funnel through the bank. You can't pay with cash places. You know, you can't pay your bills um, you know, standard bills with cash. You're not writing checks places like you, or I guess even if you write a check, that is a bank, but it's the flow of our money in general. I mean, and this is over the last 40, 50 years, but it's getting to a point where every single penny has to go through a bank. But if we're forced into the bank ecosphere, right? You know, everything's forced through there. You have to have some sort of trust, right? Like you're supposed, you're supposed to believe in them, especially if we're forced to use them and there's no way out of it. But I think what we try to point out in this show is that you really can't trust the banks. But ninety-five percent of the people, whenever they want, though, you shouldn't trust them because they're doing all these terrible things. But you have to. You're forced into this situation. But who? What you're saying makes sense. But I would estimate ninety-five percent of this country has no idea what a bail-in is, what we're saying right now. They've always trusted the bank because they weren't here doing banking in 1928, 29, 30, 31. So they don't know what a run on the banks could look like. They started to see one with Silicon Valley Bank and then boom, by Monday, no harm, no foul. You know, these banks are broke. They have no money. You and I have gone into physical branch locations and asked questions and been told how much money they keep for a week. And it's not good. So the people don't know. That's why they trust the banks. You listen to any other radio show on the weekends and you find one that says the stuff that we're saying. You know, I I dare you, find one. Tell us about it. You have to get to alternative media. And we're on the mainstream media when we're on at noon on 960 The Patriot. Saturdays at noon, by the way. The stuff we're saying, would we, you know, we're not saying the sky's falling. Well, I am, you're not. But we don't know when. So let's say you hedge your bets. And you wake up and you research and you read and you realize the banks are in trouble. You read the Dodd-Frank law and add some current events, even though I know today you're running the show. You know, we talked last week about how many branches have closed in the month of October. Do you realize it's grown? 
another week, a bunch of banks closing. Do you realize they've laid off over 20,000 bank employees in 2023? The banks are, they're, they're getting ready for something. You but know, you just uh, sent me an article too, where they bought three acres off of what the I-20 to build some sort of point. Yeah. They're only going to need three banks in my estimation, let's say four. They're only going to need so many branches to monitor and maintain the central bank digital currency, which I firmly believe is on its way. Will it be here next Wednesday, November 1st, or will it be here in two years? How the heck would I know? You know, I mean, here I am calling Monday as, as a potential, you know, Black Monday again, like we had in 1987. I, I just, I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised. So Chase, yeah, be. Wells, B of A, U.S. Bank, Citibank, some of these big players are making really dramatic moves right now. I, I guess- But I don't never... think you're not getting to the, the connection I made with that, is they're laying off a ton of employees and they're closing down branches, but they're opening up this big, beautiful building. Well, what do you keep in those big, beautiful buildings? Servers. Software. You know, this is, yeah, they're building a plant to be able to- store information and to do conduct transactions but it's not a place for you to conduct your business so we're on the same page i'm saying exactly what you're saying i'm saying we're going to get rid of cash we're going to get rid of banks do you you don't remember this this was going back 20 years ago but everybody was i don't remember well there's things you don't remember from yesterday too but that's a different show so 20 years ago everybody was going the way of costco banks were going banks were going to close they were going to close a bunch of branches, leave key branches open. You would have to go into like a lobby where there's not a teller and to cash a check, you had to, they had a ink pads by the window where there was no person. You had to put a thumbprint on the check. You had to pay $2 if you wanted to see a teller. This was actually happening. The Chase branch, it was a bank one at the time, I believe, on like Bell Road. I, I got to see some of this growing. And then all of a sudden there was a big, huge shift they realized the money is going like Costco. They want to be your one-stop shop. So they stopped going towards like basically tellerless branches and they went to huge, huge. They went to financial services departments where you could get a financial advisor to do your, your mutual funds and annuities and CDs and stocks and bonds and all that. And they, they started doing reverse mortgages. They put big banners on their branches. They, they went to do everything for you. They can do your life insurance, your financial planning. They did signature guarantee, medallion stamps. They did notary. They were going to be everything for you. Now, I believe they're going to retreat again, but this time not to save themselves money at the expense of my convenience, but because the world is shifting and they know it, we know it. You know, I'll wait till you give me a few minutes to rant and rave on my own. There's a lot of geopolitical (laughs) situations going on at once right now. And, you know, if one of these grows legs, one of the many, that would be the perfect opportunity for the government to come in and save us. Right? We have high inflation. When they say three and four, I know it's 16 to 17, but they can come in and save us. You know, we we have 33.6 now trillion in debt. The, uh, the president just asked, I believe it was last week, for 105 or 110 more billion dollars, like 40 of it for Ukraine, you know, or 60 for Ukraine, uh, 10 for Israel. You know, we, we got a lot of stuff on the table, Anthony. So these banks are very likely 
to keep changing until they're ready to push the button. And then we're going to have a bail-in and you're not going to have your money. And then we go to central bank digital currency. So, and I just did a mic drop. Go ahead. Yeah. No, we're, uh, I'm going to kind of give you an opportunity to tie in the politics to the banks and your conspiracy theories in a second. And this, <laughs> nope. you sent nope. me a nope. big 50-minute uh, long Dave Hodges episode recently that he returned or uh, just sent out last week. And it was a great episode. A lot of it was stuff that I've, I'm already aware of. I know you're already aware of. Um, and we take that for granted sometimes. I mean, our this whole platform is for us to share our knowledge. And Dave did a great job in his episode. So I kind of want to expand on that. But what he did, you know, the, it, this comes up all the time. You talk about the 1% and who's controlling who. And, and that's kind of my question is, who is controlling everything? Right. So when, if you ask anybody that, I mean, what are some of the companies you think of? You think of Amazon, Google, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, uh, you know, Chase, Wells, the B of A. Right. Is that who you think of for when you're referring to the people that run the the country, which isn't actually the government? Is that who you would say? Do you have any other names that you would add to it? <laughs> if I was mainstream listener or if I was me, JR. And don't call me a conspiracy theorist anymore because those days are long gone. Everybody knows everything I've said has been right. I'm always right. You know, Look at how lucid that I am. I'm just early. I'm never wrong. And I got a bunch of stuff coming at us that, that's really going to, it's going to, uh, well, never mind. So anyway, no, I have a few names for you. Yeah, yes, we're all worried. You know, we when we think of AI taking over all our jobs and the you know studio, the Screen Actors Guild, who is overseeing the entire planet? I would say yes, three companies: Vanguard, BlackRock, and Blackstone. And those are not household names. Vanguard is because a lot of people's four hundred one k is at Vanguard. You know, a lot of people do their own self directed investing through Vanguard, but Vanguard has a lot more to it. Then your 401k, BlackRock, Blackstone, you know, it's, it's when, when people lose their homes and somebody snaps it up, a lot of times you think it's just a buyer. In actuality, it's the representative. The buyer is a representative of BlackRock, Blackstone, and Vanguard. Start digging into that rabbit hole. Well, yeah, you just, you kind of hit the nail on the head. When you talk about 401ks, that's most of people's stock purchasing is through 401ks, which means you're buying mutual funds. And mutual funds are just repackaged stocks because you don't have the money to be able to go out and buy 100 different companies. But you can buy one mutual fund that packages all those different companies. And that's where Vanguard comes in. State Street, like you said, Fidelity is another big one, especially in the 401k realm, BlackRock. Those companies we mentioned before, you know, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Apple, all of those are publicly traded companies. So somebody owns those companies. So somebody has to be that deciding factor. So, and like you said, the whole Dave Hodges episode is kind of, you know, spoiler alert, is uh, who owns all those major companies that we say runs the world? It is. It's BlackRock, it's State Street, it's Vanguard. But I went through and I looked at all of them because I was curious. I was like, maybe maybe somebody owns something different. So let me ask. Amazon. Who owns Amazon? Well, the answer that comes to mind is Jeff Bezos. Is not. 
it is Vanguard, State Street, and BlackRock. They're the top three, and they own 16%. What about Google? Um, uh, You know, Google, Microsoft, Bill Gates. Uh... Nope. Same three. <laughs> Vanguard, State Street, BlackRock, approximately 19%. Walmart. Who owns Sandy, Walmart? Your mom. She's a big she shareholder. She is technically an owner. She's she's an owner. She has her own parking space. Go ahead, continue. Who owns Walmart? China. Come on. Oh wait, same, China. Or the same top three owners are holding Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street. All right, Apple. Tim Jobs, what? Bill Gates. Who's the guy? What's the guy? <laughs> wait, isn't Tim Jobs dead? Um, <laughs> yeah, I I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. So go ahead. The top four are State Street, BlackRock, and Vanguard. There is a third one in there. Uh, that one is Brookshire Hathaway. So you got Warren Buffett in there, in the mix. He loves Apple. What about Facebook? Who owns Facebook? Meta. Meta's being sued right now. Meta's being sued by a bunch of states. Arizona is one of them. And you know what's so funny? Meta, as soon as it came out that they were being sued, their stock started going up. It's funny. Today it's down, but today the... Uh, NASDAQ on October 25th is, is bloody. That's, uh, what was it? The, we've named this company a few times. We talked about Hertz Rental Cars. They declared bankruptcy. That stock went up. Wasn't there another company we owe? Oh, uh, yellow, yellow, yellow Truck. Yellow Freight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, should that be a part of our financial planning for people? Is uh, invest in companies that are going bankrupt? And then Well, yeah. I, mean, I, I sold everything. The only stocks I still own is GameStop and AMC. <laughs> It's, right, it's a so, funny world. Oh, yeah. who owns GameStop? Uh, pretty much me through Reddit. It's a sub for me. I don't even know what that means, but I'm in on it. I'm hip to that. Is that what you kids say, hip to that still, or is that a new? No. no. Okay, move on. So, well, who owns I, GameStop? Vanguard, I no and, uh, and BlackRock. So I went through, I'm, I'm picking random companies. Chase. 20% ownership is those three companies. Uh, Facebook, 19%, but also uh, in the mix is Fidelity. They're the number three owner. What about Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company? Guess. It is also the same top three. It's Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, Tesla, Ford, Chevron. Ooh. You know what? The only one I was able to find that didn't have them as the top three? Rochford Associates can be located on Blackberry. Is that still a thing? Apparently. And I'm, uh, maybe that's why nobody, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why they don't own it because they don't care because they don't expect them to be around. But yeah, yeah. Um, of their ownership, Vanguard was number five. That was of those top three. So then it gets funny too because BlackRock and State Street are publicly traded companies. So who owns State Street? Vanguard. Correct. Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street. They've got Dodge and Cox in there as number three of their owner. But of those three major companies, they're in the top four. It's just absolutely insane to me. Same with, uh, oh, so that's State Street, BlackRock. 20% the same top three owners. But what Dave gets into, right, because that you can all look up. It's publicly traded stuff. But Vanguard. Vanguard's in the mix too, but Vanguard's a privately held company, which means we have no idea who actually owns that. But how is that all, How is that not just kind of a house of cards? If they all own 
one another, then how is it all just essentially a single company? It is. I mean, how is our entire ecosystem, our entire stock market, just a company because it's run by three companies which all own and share ownership between one another? And I've been saying forever, there's nothing left in this country, perhaps the world, than the haves and the have-nots. And the haves are a very small group. And our buddy Doug, who does the YouTube channel, well, I remember when he put out the George Carlin bit on one of the shorts. It's a small club, and you ain't in it. So this is not shocking to me at all. I, I hope people do take the time to look into this. Everything is rigged. The financial markets are rigged. The Dow Jones is 30 companies. And when one underperforms, they remove it and put a new company in. It's rigged from the start. We have high-frequency trading computers. We had accounting practice scandals over at Arthur Anderson. The whole game is rigged. What you're talking about is the globe is rigged. The WEF, Klaus Schwab, maybe that's who owns Vanguard if it's private. You better take us to break. You, you've eaten a lot of the clock on telling us who owns the world. <laughs> oh, and Fox News also in that top three. They pretty much own everything. So we're going to go to break real quick. In the meantime, if you like hearing our beautiful voices, you can check out Another Money Show on our website at anothermoneyshow.com. You can look at or check us out wherever you like and subscribe to podcasts. Um, if you want to contribute to the show, email us at team at anothermoneyshow.com. So we just kind of went over the ownership of the stocks and essentially the world. Um, we're going to be right back and we're going to get into the significance of that. So stay tuned. This is Another Money Show, except this one's different. This one's actually fun. Are you concerned about market volatility, rising taxes from the Biden administration, and how it could affect your retirement? Then listen to Another Money Show with J.R. Rochford and Anthony Correo. Learn how you can reduce the taxes you pay before and during retirement. Another Money Show every Saturday at 4 p.m. on 960 The Patriot. Schedule your free no-obligation consultation now by calling 623-523-0444. That's 623-523-0444. The Taylor Swift effect has seeped into the NFL. I'm Jim Tarabocchio with the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife. Recent rumors suggest Kansas City Chiefs Pro Bowl tight end Travis Kelsey and music icon Taylor Swift have been dating. Reuters sports correspondent Amy Turney has more. But with a global footprint, the multi-platinum Taylor Swift has an extraordinary influence. And retail experts have seen an enormous uptick in jersey sales for Travis Kelsey, not just in the United States, but internationally. Sports stars and celebrities from various industries have been romantically linked in the past, but this crossover has presented serious branding, marketing, and financial opportunities. Last Sunday night's game, for example, between the Chiefs and the New York Jets drew 27 million viewers, the largest audience for a Sunday TV show since the Super Bowl last February. NBC Sports states further that viewership among teen girls in particular spiked 53% from the season-to-date average of the first three weeks of Sunday night football. The audience among women ages 18 to 24 was also up 24%. On the retail side, e-commerce site Fanatics says sales of Kelsey's jersey spiked 400% following the Chiefs game against the Bears on September 24th, the first time Swift was spotted in the stands. Kelsey's podcast, New Heights, has also clinched the top spot on Apple's podcast charts. 
NFL fans and Swifties, an odd couple to say the least, but revenue-generating opportunities abound. For the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Jim Tarabokia. Remember, all of JR and Anthony's listeners receive a free financial consultation just for listening to the show. Visit anothermoneyshow.com to learn more and schedule an appointment. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. You're listening to Another Money Show, J.R. Rochford, Anthony Correo, and we were talking about the New World Order, you know, J.R.'s favorite topic, and who actually runs the country and these large corporations and trying to figure out kind of the significance of all that. Because it is funny when it comes down to it's really just three players in all of this. And why it's important, too, is because you know, with all these mutual fund companies, they're they're buying up all these shares of the companies. They get the voting power for all of that. So if you own an individual stock, you get to vote on it. But if you own a mutual fund, you're not getting shares on all of those different stocks. So Vanguard, BlackRock, uh, State Street, they're voting on your behalf. So they are making these changes in this all uh, all these companies. Essentially, every single company out there that is publicly traded and decent signed is being owned by these three, these characters. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of scary. What do you think? I think it's very scary. I just, it, it almost seems like a light bulb has gone off your head, over your head to share that with people. I, I mean, I think this country has been a complete monopoly forever. I, I just think it's kind of, I mean, everybody that goes about their daily life, it's the calm before the storm. Everything seems so normal. So BlackRock, Vanguard, Blackstone, they were able to take over the world. Klaus Schwab, WEF, Bilderberg Group, Davos, whatever, you know, the conspiracy theory things that people have talked about forever. You're all going to eat bugs. You're not going to own a car. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back to the mass Singer. You know, that's back on TV, by the way. Thank you a lot, TV stations. So, you know, you're just crazy if you say all that. Now what you're saying is that three corporations own the entire world. We are still the powerhouse of the globe. You know, sad to say that with our 33.6 trillion in debt, but we are still the global leader in economics. People still want our debt. By the way, if you get a chance, do a little internet search on Japan. That might be our black swan event, Anthony. It might not be China going to Taiwan. Japan is, they're having a little debt issue right now. They're, they're having a little problems over Japan and their their economy. So check that out when you're resting. I think- A little. I mean, they've had a debt issue for the last three, four decades. I mean, their stock market dropped in 89, 90 and just recovered recently. Actually, I don't even know if it did recover. I've seen a couple of different charts and it looks like it may have recovered. Yeah, 30 years. Well, to watch back. what happens. Yeah, see, see if that doesn't change. Watch their stock market get cut in half if they lose their central bank. And it looks like they're going to. Do you know who owns the most Japan uh, U.S. debt? Yeah, exactly. So if they fail and they start calling our debt, what's that going to do to our economy moving Thank forward? Thank you. I'm, that's what I'm trying to tell you. you. When when you say there's always something to worry about, and I'm saying to you, yes, you are correct. But there right now there's 10 things to worry about. There's another one. Do, do you want to talk about the likelihood of a imminent ground war over in Israel? Do you want to talk about the fact that China is actively moving nuclear warheads in preparation for something, either to help in the whole Mediterranean war or in the Taiwan invasion. Do you realize that Taiwan right now, as we speak, are doing nuclear exercise war games? I think they're called red and blue games. Do, do you realize we stopped talking about Ukraine? Ukraine is still a thing, right? I mean, is that is that over? Do we move from Ukraine to Israel, Hamas, Palestinians? Where, where are we now? 
when you I feel like we really just make all of this easy on ourselves and just have Russia invade the Gaza Strip and then we'll just Avoid combine them, them all into yeah. one. What do the what's the the term for it when we've got all those kind of battles going on? Uh, so, World War Three. <laughs> yeah, that that's what it was. That's what it is. One quick sideline. I don't want to get you off track, so I'll make this real quick. So, do you realize last Saturday on the Gerald Ford, this largest aircraft carrier on the planet? They serve the officers steak and lobster. It, it do a little inner, you know, I don't have time to go into all these things today because I said that you could run the show, which is actually excellent instead of me ranting the entire time. But I really take it away every chance I get. Well, I'm not going to run the show. I'm just trying to structure. Oh, good luck I'm to you. Really you know, I'm trying to free you up so you could do other work. Instead, I appreciate man. it. And it went really well. I'm in a good mood. So when you get it, when you're resting, take a little internet search and look up steak and lobster meal because it generally only happens on Christmas. Or if something is about to go down, usually something that might actually lower the morale of the troops. So I I, I don't know. Last meal kind of preparation. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's a way to to do an analogy for it. But it's it's it just means that the likelihood of our involvement in this situation has risen seriously, dramatically, exponentially. We are involved. Oh, and by the way, there's a big hurricane in Acapulco. Did you read that? Are we going to start sending money to Acapulco now? I, and I'm not making light of it, but it, in one day, in 24 hours, this hurricane went from a category two to a category five hurricane in 24 hours. And there's no pictures, no internet, no electricity in Acapulco. There's no media feed whatsoever. Since it hit there, There, there's one report I read that's speculating that there might be huge casualties. People didn't have a lot of time to get away. They thought a category two wasn't something to worry about. And, and I believe you, I'm not making light of this. We used to go to Acapulco every summer. My father had an office in Mexico. My father worked there. So we used to go every summer. Hotel El Cano. Missed that place. So anyway. Did not own one of the hotels? He was, he was a co-owner, a part owner, yes, with Anton Eloriaga, I believe the guy's name was. And Anton's son Ramon and I were good friends. We used to wear Speedos and hang out by the pool and look for chicks when we were young men. So take that vision with you. You think World War Three is bad. Try to get that image out of your head. And all I'm getting at is the entire world. Is that global warming? Is that we're going to pin that on? Is it God? Is this scriptural over in Israel? There's so much on the table. But how do I equate Acapulco and a storm to money? Because you, this country is spread thin financially. And yet there's another, we're going to have fundraising for Acapulco. We're going to, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. We don't fundraise for Maui. But we do fundraise for the rest of the world. And then that's, you know, don't forget, our government shuts down on November. I, I, I It's supposed to be the 15th, but I think because of the calendar days, it's the 17th. We got a new speaker today. I'm not sure. I don't know much about Mike Johnson from Louisiana, but we have a new speaker finally. It's like the fourth one they put up. You know, politicians, way to make yourselves look like monkeys. You know, you, you should have had all this in line before you got rid of the speaker of the house. But, you know, good job. I guess you got one now. So now this guy can, uh, you know, go ahead and green light. The 105 or 110 billion aid package. We can, we can get ready to send money to Acapulco or whatever else is coming up. Sorry. Yeah, we really don't talk about that enough with how much we're sending to Israel, how much we're sending to Ukraine, but we've had, you know, our own country wiped out by that fire and nothing. And especially, and again, you know, we brought up Dave Hodges earlier. Great, great radio show, Common Sense Show. Um, but he's following that really closely because he's thinking that this could be where the government comes over and takes their land makes a smart city out of it which is i mean if that ends up happening that's going to be huge for 
the future direction of this country. They use a, an excuse like natural disaster to just confiscate private ownership of land from the people. See how that works. Right. I'm very yeah. curious to see how that that story pans out. Yeah, we're in such uncharted territory. I've been saying that for years and years, but everything I've been worried about, higher taxes, inflation, you know, the erosion of my buying power of the dollar, stock market ridiculousness, everything I've been talking about, it's been a slow burn, but now it's all on the table. Now it's all here. So, and, and by the way, I mean, if you're in this country, what if we had food shortages? When's the last time we brought up the fire in the food plants and, and all the problems? You know, we, we have farmland being bought up by China and Bill Gates. We, we have all these different things on the table. So, and we're broke. Country's broke. So who's going to help well, us? What do you think uh, a world war would do to the stock market? Because I just looked up Northrop and I looked up Lockheed. And uh, guess who owns those? Let me guess. Vanguard, BlackRock, and Blackstone. Correct. <laughs> and Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Didn't he die? Or wait, that was Jimmy. So, yeah, Jimmy. no. No surprise. Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy Buffett passed away recently. I was oh. making a joke, and you slowed the whole thing down. So, oh, well, you should make a joke. Dumb. They are dumb. What nothing. Are we nothing. talking about? I don't know. Hopefully the bad track. You got off track. I got off track. That's my job. If, if we get into a world war again, what does that do to the stock market? Which, it, it I, again, I don't think it'll be good. It'll be good for certain stocks for sure. I mean, what happened when Israel was attacked? It Lockheed Martin, we brought it up like the next day. Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, they they shot up, what, 10% one day? That's a pretty good return on your money. So yeah, of course. If you look at the defense sector overall, when that happened, it really hasn't done anything. Like uh, I, yeah, TA, I think is one of the ones that I was following. But in the last month, it's up like 2%. You know, it really hasn't done much. If you look over six months, it's actually down. Granted, it's not, you know, one individual company, but it's aerospace and defense as a whole, which you would think would be thriving during this because that's where all the money's going. But, but you, you know, realize with stocks, I mean, a lot of times the smart money is proactive, not reactive. You, you do realize when marijuana went nationally, na nationwide legal in Canada, there were a bunch of people going into it. You know, all the dumb money went in and then the smart money came back out real quick and then the stock plummeted. That's what we think will happen here. You know, during the October 6th invasion of Israel, the defense stocks right away went up. You know, the, the smart money took that profit and they already got out. So now the rest of us are holding it. If we go into an active World War III, I'm still saying we're in it already, but if we go into a more elevated, more active World War III, then I think every bet in this country is off. We have an everything bubble. The housing market, the stock market, the rental market. I think everything is inflated and we all know life cycles. And we also know that money goes down a heck of a lot faster than it goes up. So when we when we finally get a stock market reckoning, I think it might be a juicy one. I mean, I, I would say it should be worse than 2008 because things are worse now than they were in 2008 on a few different fronts. And in 2001. Which actually, maybe now is a great time to throw in that clip, because I had a couple of clips I was debating on throwing into this show, but I love this one from Jeff Bezos, because we say this all the time, because it's so hard to determine what's good stocks and bad stocks and good timing and bad timing, because none of it makes sense. A great company doesn't uh, you know, directly translate into a great stock. Jim, if you could, play that Bezos clip. So what propelled you to sell things more than books? We, we, uh, after books, we started selling music, and then we started selling um, videos. And then I got smart, and I, um, I emailed a, 
1,000 randomly selected customers and asked them, besides the things we sell today, what would you like to see us sell? And that answer came back incredibly long-tailed. The way they answered the question was with whatever they were looking for at that moment. So like, I remember one of the answers was, I wish you sold windshield wiper blades because I really need windshield wiper blades. <laughs> and I thought to myself, we can sell anything this way. And, um, and then, so then we launched uh, electronics and toys and many other categories over time. And the, the vision became, because you read the original business plan, it's just books. Your stock at one point, I think, went to $100, but then it went down to six or something like that. At the peak of the internet bubble, our stock peaked somewhere around $113. Thanks. And then after the internet bubble uh, you know, busted open, our stock went down to six. It went from 113 to six in less than a year. So My annual shareholder that year starts with a one-word sentence, and that one-word sentence is the word ouch. So most of those internet companies of the dot-com era are out of business. Yeah. You survived. What was it that made you to survive and virtually the rest of them are gone? Um, I, it's very, that whole period is very interesting because the stock is not the company and the company is not the stock. And so as I watched the stock fall from 113 to 6, I was also watching all of our internal business metrics, number of customers, profit per unit, um, uh, you know, uh, everything you can imagine, defects, etc. Every single thing about the business was getting better and fast. And so as the stock price was going the wrong way, everything inside the company was going the right way. And um, uh, I, you know, so I wasn't, we didn't need to go back to the capital markets. We didn't need more money. The only reason, uh, you know, a financial uh, bust like the internet bubble bursting is, you know, makes it really hard to raise money. But, you know, we already had the money we needed. So we just needed to continue to progress. Well, Wall Street kept saying, well, Amazon's not making any money. They're just getting customers. Where's the profits? Where are the profits? And Wall Street kept beating you up on that. And your response was, I don't really care what you think. Amazon was, uh, uh, you know, we, we, people always accused us of selling dollar bills for 90 cents and said, look, anybody can do that and grow revenues. That's not what we were doing. We always had positive gross margins. It's a fixed cost business. And so what I could see is that um, from the internal metrics is that what, at a certain volume level, um, that we would cover our fixed costs and the company would be profitable. So basically this was in, was it 2001.com bubble era, but Amazon went from $113 a share or something like that down to $6. I mean, 90% drop. That's absolutely insane. But look what it is now. But you hear him in the clip. He's talking about, you know, the company's doing fine. He can't control what other people can do with those stocks. All he can do is what, the, what he can control is within the company. Because, you know, he wasn't Vanguard, BlackRock, or uh, State Street to be able to uh, determine what the stock prices are of that. I don't know. It's a great clip because I think about it all the time. We try to, you know, give that knowledge, you know, our expertise, pass along what we've learned on this radio show. But it's like, who's Anthony? Who's JR? Why do I care? So it's nice to hear it from some sort of expert. And actually, you know what? Let me play the one more clip because we've we've mentioned Warren Buffett a few times this show, too. Uh, this one I get a kick out of because essentially he said some people aren't smart enough to be in the stock market, which we say a lot of times, well, we say more often than not. When things are down, people want to sell. And it's you know, counterintuitive to what you should be doing. Buy low, sell high. People love to uh, sell high or sell low, buy high. 
They're so good about following trends, which is why you have us at another money show to kind of give you that nod. So, Jim, we got one more clip if you want to play that one, too. In 1982 or three, when the long government bond got to 15 percent, a company that was earning 15 percent on equity was no worth no more than book value under those circumstances, because you could buy a 30 year strip of bonds and guarantee yourself for 15% a year. And a business that earned 12% was a subpar business then. But a business that earns 12% when the government bond is 3% is one hell of a business now. And that's why they sell for very fancy prices. So essentially saying the stock market is nothing more than gambling. So don't gamble anything you can't lose and be ready to put in more. You know, when there's buying opportunities, buy more. We're at all time highs right now with things that don't make sense. Maybe now's the time to get out instead of buy in. But who knows? Do you know, JR? Does Warren Buffett know? Do any of these people know? Or is it just Vanguard, State Street, and uh, BlackRock? Are they the only ones? Do they discriminate? After hearing from you today, I believe that's it. That's the only people I'm going to look to to trust. But if you don't have access to talk to somebody at Vanguard, State Street, or BlackRock, you can reach out to us at Rochford & Associates, the hosts of Another Money Show. Uh, reach out at team at anothermoneyshow.com. You can find us on the web, anothermoneyshow.com. You can even schedule appointments with us right from there. If you want to hear past episodes, you can check out our podcast wherever you like and subscribe. But we got more for you. What else? I know, JR, I, I held you back a little bit. I wanted to kind of go on my rant about, uh, you know, the stocks. I just, it blows me away that everything kind of consolidates into three companies when you start digging deep enough. And, you know, like even you mentioned the FDIC before, you know, we go to their papers and that their papers say how much money they have. When we talk about possible uh, failing Social Security, we read their documents, their documents tell us. So these are easy things to look into. You can look up Amazon and who the holders are. You can look up Facebook and who owns these stocks. You can see what we're telling you about these three companies. So... Will people do it? Will they look up? Do they care? I mean, sometimes when I think about our preparation for the show, you know, part of it, I worry that I'm chicken little and people are going to get tired of hearing that, you know, the world is, we know it's going to end. My whole thing, do people care though? Life is so normal. You know, when I say the quiet before the storm, that's a good comforting feeling. You can watch TV and go to work. You can do whatever. You know, the Cardinals are playing at home this weekend. You can go to the game buy a $14 beer. Life is so normal. We, I firmly, I, not we, firmly believe things are going to change. I think we've been too lax with holding our representatives accountable. I think we've been too uninformed and or ill-informed on what's really going on in the world, in our country. When you and I, you start out with the banks, when you and I tell people, do not have a safe deposit box, we, we give you solutions. We can tell you where to get a better deal on a safe than just going to Sportsman's Warehouse or Cabela or what Bass Pro Shop. We, we have ideas for you. You know, when we talk about alternatives to your, your money in the bank, we want you to have like three months of, you know, bill paying capabilities from your bank. But we also want you to have cash. We want you to understand the word annuity is only a bad word because people that don't sell annuities don't like them. There are good and bad annuities. We get that. You know, I haven't sold 
and I and I say sold instead of offered or presented. I haven't sold a variable annuity in about 20 years now. I realized they weren't in the client's best interest. You know, I realized that we're supposed to be careful with people if we know more than they do. If you manage somebody's health or their money, you should do what's right. You shouldn't have to have the Department of Labor come in and say you have to be a fiduciary. By the way, I brought it up last week and I and I had a couple of people ask about that. Fiduciary rule applies to 401ks, SEPs, simples, IRAs. It does not apply to your bank money. That's a little bit odd if you ask me. When I listen to the radio shows, I heard one last weekend again that was the same old cookie cutter stuff. You know, we're going to give you good service. Don't listen to the static. There, you know, you have to do age-based investing. You know, I hate to say it, kids, but the game is changing and you're still using the old rules. Yes, you need to be diversified. You don't want all your eggs in one basket. Yes, you need to understand there are different options for your money. You know, th- this show, they talked about the retirement red zone. I haven't made fun of that one in a while. They're like, if you're within five years of retirement or within five years after retirement, you have to be really careful. That's your retirement red zone. Here's my take on your retirement red zone. It's your entire life. When you're young, you need to get your 401k going since you're no longer going to get a pension offered. You need to do your 401k, but do up to the match. That's just smart. Stop there. Then let us talk to you about a Roth IRA because we're going to have a tax problem one day. Let's talk to you about debt management, hard assets. If you still have extra money, go back to your 401k if you're trying to lower your taxes. Let's go back to that because I I, I did make, I'm really glad you brought that up because I thought this was could be another uh, great conversation and kind of topics that we've talked about through other shows. Um, But the auto worker strike um, gaining traction right now. But I read an article on them about they're fighting for pensions again, which we love pensions. We think they're great, but that's they've died away. We've become a 401k society. So my question to you is, would you rather accept because in I think the reality of the situation right now, I do think a lot of workers are underpaid. I think, you know, when we talk about the CEO pay to the common worker, I think you need to build up the lower class, the middle class, you know, through them earning instead of these handouts, you know, let them actually earn income to contribute to the economy. But as a worker, would you rather continue to have lower rates or, you know, current rates now, which we think are a bit low, but you get a pension or would you rather them raise wages to be livable wages and continue down the 401k path where you have to fund your own retirement? You know the answer. We know it's income over assets. Assets can shrink. Income lets us breathe. You know, but let me refer to my three colleagues here over at Vanguard, Blackstone. Black- oh, no, they're saying you want <laughs> you want a higher wage. You, you know, pensions would be really good. Uh, we could substitute the word universal basic income for a pension. I'd rather see people get a higher pension than UBI, reparations, higher wages at, at the, you know, Ford plant. But it's not feasible. The corporate greed is huge. We, we're part of inflation. I don't think anybody would argue these companies are still trying to make the profit levels they've always made. They, it almost seems like they're trying to make higher profits. 
you know, gas, oil companies, airlines, banks. I mean, well, that was a greedflation. That's what they talked about. A lot of the inflation, you know, the the cost of doing business went up in 2020 when everything shut down. Um, Supplies cost more, but they didn't cost as much as a raising. You know, for instance, if the cost went up 5%, they started charging 15%. Because in our heads, we're like, oh, inflation, we're all suffering. We're not all suffering equally. And I'm actually surprised by your answer. I'm not necessarily not surprised because I think it's a bit more complicated than that. Because I, I think it's a, well, kind of, I guess I want to say you want the best of both worlds. But if you're offered a lower, lower rate, but a pension in the future, you have to stick to one company. They can kind of continue to play lower rates. Depending on the rules of the pension, some are better than others. Sometimes you get towards the end and you kind of get screwed over. But my arg- or what I would say, knowing what I know about this industry, I would fight for no pension, raising the rates to something livable, still funding your 401k, because all you have to do is you can fund your own pension with the 401k. There's private pensions out there that you can roll your 401ks over. And I think because if you're in a pension fund, you're letting somebody else can control your pension, which could go up and down, you know. Or go away, FCI. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. So I would say I would probably take the money, have them raise rages, and then you fund your own pension. And then if you are in that position to fund your own pension, you reach out to Rochford and Associates, because that's where we specialize. Amen, brother. Look at that sales pitch. But I really do, because I, I really struggle with that, because I saw the auto workers fighting for the strike, and I, I I love it. I love or fighting for the pension. I think pensions are so important. But will they sacrifice, continually be paid lower to have those pensions? And what are the stipulations on the pensions? Could they be screwed down the line? So would you rather make the money now up front and then fund your own? And that's if you fund your own. A lot of people don't. A lot of people take their 401k, the stocks and bonds, and they continue to that trajectory. And now all of a sudden you get into retirement and it's like, let me pray I don't mismanage my money and run run my finances into the ground. That's why we say, we say this all the time. You set a base. You set a base. You have income coming in for life. You fund your own pension. And once you have income, you can afford to make mistakes because you have no, you know, you have more money coming in. So we'll see how time, that. I wanted that? to get it. I wanted a time today to talk about your own pension and the blackjack analogy that I brought up last week. Next week, I'm going to structure that into the outline so we get to it. I want people to know how they can safely do their own pension. You know, we're living longer, so pensions are important. But unfortunately, it is that time. So we will see you all, or at least you'll hear us next week, same time. And thank you for being with us. If you have any questions for us, if you want to reach out to us, give us a call, 623-523-0444, or keep emailing your questions to us, team at anothermoneyshow.com. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel. Our buddy Doug is getting ready to put more content out, so make sure you like us and subscribe and share the word and help us grow. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com. 
Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM. A registered investment advisor. BCM and Rochford Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results.